I'm Alan, and my pronouns are they, them. I'm Kaylee, and my pronouns are she, her. And my name is Danielle. My pronouns are she, her, and you are listening to Target Snark It, a weekly podcast from Broad Digital Consulting. Hello and welcome back to Target Snark It. We are a weekly podcast that is hosted by Broad Digital Consulting. I am one of your hosts, Danielle, and I am the Chief Broad at Broad Digital. Uh, Today, my co-hosts are actually off recording another episode without me. And I am here today with Zane Guilfoyle, the Director of Public Health and Community Engagement for Mile High Behavioral Health Care in Denver. Welcome, Zane. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Great. And uh, what we're going to talk about today, it is, of course, the uh, first week of Pride Month. And as a team, Broad Digital Consulting is about 90% uh, LGBTQ identifying. And I'm including not just our uh, full-time employees, but our contractors and consultants that we work with inside of that. So uh, it's really near and dear to our heart that we're going to be talking uh, about Pride this month and about brands and how they relate to the LGBTQ community. Uh, What you heard last week was really about rainbow washing and uh, the way that brands uh, feel like sometimes they, the changing the logo is, mm-hmm. is the most important part. It's June 1, the rainbow goes up, and then you know they never have to pay attention to, to DE&I ever again. Today, we're actually talking about something really specific to uh, brands in the LGBTQ community, a very specific problem that isn't necessarily that diversity inclusion piece inside of the workplace. Uh, It's something that we've actually been working with Mile High for the last seven years. It's seven years, (laughs) seven years on uh, at Broad Digital uh, talking about uh, substance use and abuse inside of the community. So what we want to talk about today is actually the way that liquor brands and uh, nicotine brands, vaping brands, things like that. Am I getting that right? Yep disproportionately target the LGBTQ community and uh, sort of the history around how this has all been wrapped up within the community, what it looks like now, and ultimately what it is that we can do about it, whether you like us belong to that community or you are an ally who wants to advocate for the community and, uh, and show your allyship. So again, thank you for being here, Zane. We really appreciate it. I am really interested in this topic. I mean, for a number of reasons, I know that we first started having conversations about this, God, probably like four or five years ago, Mm -hmm. talking about specifically how brands are disproportionately targeting the community during pride and how the meaning of pride has kind of changed that, you know, I think we we know what it was before. We know now there are a lot of people that just like look at it and assume that it's like a parade of debauchery. And in some ways, in an effort to flip the bird to everybody who doesn't accept us, we've sort of embraced that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, to give a little bit of background, I'm a licensed professional counselor in Colorado. I'm also a licensed addiction licensed addiction counselor. Uh, And so I've been working at Mile High for the past eight years, um, and we do a lot of work in the addiction field. 
Uh, and in particular, um, I supervise our LGBTQ program. So the Denver mm -hmm. Element and the Transgender Center of the Rockies. Uh, and, you know, it's been really, uh, it's been really eye-opening uh, tracking kind of that substance misuse trend, particularly around Pride um, and seeing when people like, oh, they just went off their bender for Pride Month. So now they're coming back to us to get back into treatment and wow. uh, try and get, you know, get help and, and find some healing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you've got sort of this, this pendulum swing of, like I said, you know, pride was, I mean, pride, pride started as a riot, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then, you know, the, the sort of trajectory of the parades and how they've all looked has been about embracing the pride that we have to be who we are. But, you know, like you were saying earlier, it's, it's kind of turned into an excuse more or less to, have people get fucked up. Let's get turned up. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's drink for uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe brunch, throw brunch in there as it's well. It's day, of and course. Yeah, just, just keep going, right? Especially if it's like a week-long celebration sort of a thing. Before we go any further, I want to make it very clear that like the both of us drink. Yeah. You know? Yep. I used to be a smoker and occasionally when I'm drinking, feel the need to do it again. Uh, and like, we will, you know, while Zane is, is in town here in Brooklyn, we'll go and have drinks. Yeah. Right. So this is not a, uh, finger wagging, uh, anti-alcohol sort of a, a podcast. This isn't what we're trying to do. Right. And I think that the context though, is in the context of pride, right. Yeah. And how we are, um, being, specifically targeted. I mean, in Denver, um, our Pride Fest is the huge sponsor's Coors Light. Sure. Right. Uh, and then after we legalized marijuana, we started to see a slew of um, cannabis and dispensaries starting to fund mm. Pride in those different initiatives. Sure. Well, and interestingly enough, too, you've got kind of this sober curious movement that's happening. I know we've written about it at Broad as well. Um, that there are a lot of people who are moving away from alcohol, or it seems like generationally moving away from alcohol, but they're not just moving away from alcohol. They're moving toward cannabis. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting to to hear that that targeting is happening there as well. Yeah. I mean, if I take a step back and I look at our, our stats of uh, my element programs, I'm really talking about cis gay men here. Meth use, methamphetamine, chem sex is the, the biggest thing that we're seeing, followed closely by alcohol and then followed closely by cannabis. Um, so it's definitely an issue that we're seeing in our clinic and our programming. Can you tell us what chem sex is? Yeah. So chem sex is, so methamphetamine is a stimulant. And so it enhances, uh, it's an upper, like the best upper you've ever had. And so particularly gay men or other people um, will use methamphetamine during sex and it creates a, a more arousal. You can last longer and you can party on for multiple, multiple days. And of course with chem sex, you know, we, uh, our prefrontal cortex, the executive functioning sure. goes offline. And so we're more likely to engage in uh, pretty risky behavior, right? Sure. So like having um, condomless sex, um, maybe getting fisted, like all sorts of different activities, um, but also not thinking through of like, do they know my partner's status? Um, do I even know my partner? And having those conversations ahead of time. Sure, sure. 
And I mean, these kinds of, you know, I, I think it's really easy for people to hear a conversation like this and assume that the queer community is really just engaged in like no holds barred, uh, any kind of uh, what might be considered debaucherous activity yeah. in, in you know, the rest of the, the nation. But really, I mean, this isn't unique to queer people that uh, in terms of like who's engaging in these sex acts. But when you do start to pair being under the influence of substance yeah. and a party that is, I mean, pretty centered around who you love yep. and for many people who you fuck yep. <laughs> that, you know, it's, it, you're, you're going to combine uh, those things. And yeah, I mean, it, it's going to result in some risky behavior. So talk to me a little bit about sort of the history. I, I know that one of the things, one of the conversations that we've had in the past is there wasn't before it was safe to be out. And I mean, you know, I, there is an argument to be made that it's not necessarily safe to be out in much of America right now in yep. present day. Yep. But before it was safe really anywhere to be out, uh, there were gathering spaces, private uh, spaces in bars. You yep. know, we saw that with um, A League of Their Own, the the reboot that they did, that Abby Jacobson did, the, uh, the penultimate episode of The Bargaining Rated. I don't know if you saw that, but mm. like it was it was gutting. Yeah. And that was that was where cops found yes. queers, yep. right? Yep. And so this is sort of ingrained in our culture and, and a really pivotal part of our culture in terms of where we where we felt safe. Talk Absolutely. to me about that. Yeah, I mean, if you go back in and look at that, there's like this invisible thread that I think connects us to our history of being in alcoholic centric spaces, those spaces where we can find that we're safe. Uh, and you know, alcohol is a depressant, so it helps uh, helps take our edginess offline. Helps us be more sociable. For you know, some people who um, maybe aren't quite out, it allows them to kind of have a moment of pause with that that critical mind of oh my god, I'm gay or I'm queer, um, and really allows them to step more into a, an authentic self. And I use air quotes of authentic from you know this idea of when we are using a substance is that really authentic right like how are sure. we how are we um how are we using that um what you know what kind of what's the end goal yeah i think that's a really interesting point too is that you know i mean this idea that that alcohol allows us to be who we are at our basis yeah. is I mean, not necessarily true, right? Our basest instincts don't comprise any kind of true personality, right. but there is this idea that throwing off some inhibitions yes. uh, is going to allow us some kind of fulfillment in that way. And uh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense that like you could see that sort of through line about like, you know, if you go on a first date, you're a little nervous, you have a little drink, you take the edge off. You feel bolder and more confident and a little bit more like yourself. And again, with the air quotes, yep. and you don't feel necessarily clouded by anxiety. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that makes sense that, that, you know, that would be such a central part of that culture. Do you feel like 
Do you feel like nicotine, and I mean, I guess the introduction of, of cannabis or uh, additional substance, meth, um, do you feel like that is a part of that history and that culture as well? And if so, how? And if not, when do you feel like it kind of started becoming infiltrated in the culture? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. You know, uh, methamphetamine is relatively new. You know, it's not as old as like alcohol, let's say. Sure. Um, but particularly in, you know, in the 80s, if we look back and look at the, the HIV and AIDS epidemic, I think there is a, a, a huge uh, component of meth use that would allow people to party longer, um, allow people to find kind of that self of like that sense of that sense of self of like, again, that critical mind of I can be th- this person who I want to be. I can um, let go of my inhibitions. I can do um, whatever, you know, whatever I want. And then when it comes to the nicotine use, uh, if we look at tobacco use, right? So probably previous to like early 2000, what are we in like 2023? Like, you know, the early 2000s, um, cigarette was definitely, cigarettes were a lot more primarily used, but the advent of nick of uh, vaping, we've seen cigarette tobacco use plummet in LGBTQ and queer spaces and communities, but we've seen the number of, uh, we've seen nicotine use, so vaping skyrocket. You know, and in Colorado, a queer person is three times more likely to vape than a heterosexual counterpart, which is a huge, that's a huge staggering statistic. Yeah. It kind of goes back to that idea of marginalization, right? And kind of health equity. Wow. That is an intense statistic and a a lot to unpack and think about. I think the, the marginalization piece is, um, an interesting point, even thinking about like you'd mentioned the, the HIV, the AIDS crisis of the, the nineties, um, you know, it makes sense to me, you know, and I, I wasn't around for all of that. Right. But like, it makes sense to me putting myself into somebody's shoes who is in a community impacted so brutally by the AIDS crisis Mm -hmm. that a situation like that, uh, an environment like that. I mean, we don't have to look that far, right? We're, we're still kind of in a pandemic and we were in this period of quarantine and you saw this sort of, not even, I wouldn't even call it a dividing line. I would say that, you know, for most of us, I would venture, I guess, that we wavered between this, this fear and anxiety around self-protection. And then this saying, fuck it. I don't want to fucking live in fear all the time. And one of the ways that I'm sure you do that, you know, when when you're faced with a, a crisis like the AIDS crisis and a constant threat yep. to your survival and the survival of your loved ones. Right. I don't know. I look at that and be like, yeah, I want to fucking drink. Like, absolutely. yes, I'm going to drop acid. I'm going to like, you know, do X or Coke or what I... I'm not good at drugs, <laughs> you know, but I'm going to have these experiences while I can and not live in fear of everything. So that, I don't know, that makes a lot of sense to me. It does. You know, we, um, my partner and I joked during the pandemic, we had our liquor shelf. And so we had this, like, look at all this booze that we've consumed during the, the lockdowns and, sure. uh, and it was a staggering amount, right? Yeah. 
And uh, luckily, you know, um, I actually worked throughout the entire pandemic because we're a safety net provider. So I still went in, but my, my partner, you know, his cannabis use increased significantly. Both of our alcohol use increased significantly. And it goes back to, I think your point, um, there's just so much pervasive anxiety and the fear of the unknown of like, yeah. what's going to happen? Like no one knew anything yeah. at the very beginning. How deadly is this? How is this even spread? Right. Right. And to watch the entire world to pause, I mean, that is just like this such existential threat. Many people turn to substances to help cope. Yeah. Oh, I I, I know our household did. You know, yep. I definitely did. And and it's, I think, pretty widely known that most Americans, um, or maybe not even most Americans, there was a significant increase in Americans and how the volume of what they drank. Yeah. Um, I know that happened in our household because like when the day bleeds into night bleeds into day again, fuck it. What is time? Like, why not have a drink at three? And then, you know, why not stay up till three? Because what is time even? And you're drinking the whole time because like, I don't know, what is that? Like, I feel fucking terrible for sober people and and struggling through that. I know I didn't handle it well. Yep. And even then thinking about like going back to smoking, there was a lot of, for me, internal justification of like, well, fuck it. You know, like this, this cigarette is going to kill me just like the pandemic could, just like the fucking air quality in New York could, you know? And so there is that, that internal justification that we use that, I mean, seems like it would get worse when you're also being pressured on all sides with marginalization. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. It's also interesting because, you know, in Colorado, um, cannabis is actually taxed at a pretty heavy rate. And so uh, this last um, tax cycle, uh, every Coloradoan got a a massive uh, rebate from the amount Mm. of cannabis tax dollars that were collected during the pandemic. Because we have a, a law in Colorado when the state can only collect a certain threshold of tax money, and then it goes back to the taxpayers. And so what's interesting is, you know, the our public health departments have been flushed for cash for all this cannabis use that and alcohol use that happened during sure. the pandemic. But now that people are getting back to work and we're seeing a decrease in use and, you know, these public dollars that a lot of programs uh, became addicted to themselves are starting to disappear. And so I think this next wave of and kind of this next crisis is going to be like all these safety net programs are disappearing because of substance use, right? Uh, Substance use is getting better. Well, I should say substance use is decreasing, right? (laughs) Sure. And so that impacts tax revenues, that funds education, that funds public health initiatives, like all these different things. So it's an interesting bind that we're finding ourselves in, at least in Colorado. Wow. So- Ultimately, if we're not getting fucked up, we're not generating money for the state to fund the safety net programs Correct. for when we're too fucked up to fund. Isn't that wild to think about? There's actually like a, there's a, an incentive to ensure that our communities are addicted because it's going to fund government and those pro and those like legit life-saving programs. There's a lot I'm learning today. <laughs> There's a lot I'm learning today. Yeah. And like, I think too, you know, this is a, a phenomenal through line to the way that brands have done this, right? Like yes. 
brands like Coors, like Budweiser, um, like uh, Absolute, Sky Vodka, you know, these Stoli. Stoli, these these uh, these beer and liquor brands have long been seen, I think, to like the naked eye as allies of the LGBTQ community. And like when I think about that, I think about like, you know how like when you're on social media, somebody will share a story and it's like this really sweet story about how like some coworker was in a terrible accident and needed, uh, you know, time off and couldn't get time off. And so all of her coworkers came together and pooled all their time off so that she got time off to go get fixed and get help and rest. And everybody shares it and they're like, oh my God, isn't this such a sweet and wonderful story? And it's like, do you see the implications of the fucking yes. healthcare system and why this is a problem? Yeah. And that that's how it feels looking at brands like beer and liquor brands as allies. It's oh, like, absolutely. sure, yes, there is an argument to be made, in my opinion, that that these brands helped make pride really mainstream and yes. assisted in the like real integration of the LGBTQ community yeah. into the wider world of acceptance, but at what cost to us and profit to them? Exactly right. At the end of the day, it goes back to like, they have a, they make profit in addiction. The more people that need to use their substances, the more money that they make to the detriment of even like our communities dying, you know, from cirrhosis of the liver, from lung cancer, like all these different things. Hey, Target Snarketers, it's Kaylee and Awen, and we're hopping into the episode. Because over the last few weeks, one brand who we usually see telling the community every June to let's get beers together showed their true colors, and they weren't rainbow, and we all know what they were looking for, money. We are, of course, not so lightly hinting at the Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light video. Gag. Not in a good way. Not in a gay way. Not in a good way. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened? Anheuser-Busch was partnering with Dylan Mulvaney to boost their Easy Carry contest, which was offering customers a chance to win $15,000 if you uploaded a video carrying as many cans of beer as possible. They also were releasing a special line of Pride-themed cans with various pronouns, which would have been super cute. I would have loved it also happened to fall around uh, Dylan Mulvaney's one-year anniversary of her Being a Girl series. If you don't know, Dylan Mulvaney has been tracking every day of her transition and did a beautiful show on her 365th day. Because it fell around that time, they presented her with a personalized can with her face on it. Cute. Love it. Super cute. Unfortunately, timing's everything. Due to the power of TikTok and the inability to keep to a niche audience, it started to reach a larger scale audience, unfortunately filled with transphobic Bud Light drinkers who took it as a personal attack to their watery beer. Kid Rock being amongst the other conservatives online posting videos of them shooting the cans with AR-15s for being disrespectful to their main demographic. Oh my God. Can we pause here? Because like, (laughs) I think Danielle and I talked about this and she was like, they bought the beer to shoot shoot it. (laughs) Like, like they still bought the beer. And it's also like, 
And like a lot. Yeah, like a lot of it. It's also like like the undertones of like violence towards the gay community in that. Like, yeah. Or even honestly, like the brand, I it's we're in a really scary time. How many shootings have there been in just the last month? Like, it's it's not fun. So we wanted to freeze frame on this conversation uh, to go along with what Zane and Danielle are currently speaking on, because this whole campaign really was focused on increasing sales during a slow time to who they considered being a sleeper audience, which was the LGBTQ community. And it's something that alcohol brands, uh, drug I'm sure drugs and cannabis in Colorado now, too, are definitely leaning into the community to increase sales and get that pink money we talked about before. So, Alan, which came first for you? Did you at all see the video or did you only hear about the controversy first? I think I only heard about the controversy first. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, what is going on? And then I watched the video and I was like, this is so cute. This is so great. I think I didn't get the full scope of the controversy. I was in on the very beginning of it. So I don't Mm -hmm. know, like, how much had been done. I thought, oh, this is like the beginning of something. And then it, it became huge, you know? Yeah. What about you? I think I heard the controversy first. Because mm-hmm. I don't think I even saw the video, honestly, until I started researching. And then I was like, why are we mad? <laughs> yeah. Why are we mad? My thought is, it like, first of all, the campaign's really all over the place. Even me just describing what it was, was trying to hit so many marks. You're trying yeah. to be with Dylan's fans. You're trying to get sales. You're trying to get people to participate in a carrying contest. It's a lot already. Yeah. As our team consumer, our honestly trans representative for the team as well. And now you're kind of a pseudo marketer. You're actually an award-winning marketer. I don't know um, if you heard that in the back, but. <laughs> what was your thought on kind of the creation of the campaign and the use of Dylan? I mean, I really don't think it's that different than what other people have do have done. I think mm-hmm. like you mentioned, the main issue was that Bud Light clearly didn't anticipate what conservatives or their, you know, these, their, that audience that they usually have didn't mm-hmm. anticipate that they would receive the message and get so pissed about it because Bud Light has been doing pride shit since I came out at least mm-hmm. probably long before that. And somehow they've managed to do that and keep it separate. And I'm sure they were like, why was, why would this year be any different? But yeah. unfortunately this year, I think this is a prime example of how things are different, like, and how the anti LGBTQ sentiment has ramped up in this country I mean, this is a prime example of that. And it was a whoopsie, (laughs) you know? It was for sure a whoopsie. I do think it's so funny that people are mad that they asked an influencer to post on her own social media accounts. Like, this wasn't a commercial. There was not millions of dollars put into this. They probably paid her one time for a video that's going on her Instagram and TikTok, and that's it. But you would think that they are paying for all the, like, it's just gotten so convoluted to what it was, which was a 
unfortunate influencer video. <laughs> right. And I think what's really interesting, too, is like um, the people who are against it, it's very short-sighted. I mean, do they know that Bud Light has been like the pride beer? The pride forever? beer? I told my dad that, yeah. Like, like, like clearly, are you that clueless? Have you never seen a rainbow fucking Bud Light ad during June? If so, touch grass. <laughs> Meet a gay person once. Talk to them, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? And then the other thing is like, I think it'd be remiss of us not to point out that this, though it's a queer community, like attack on the queer community, it is very specifically transphobic Absolutely. because their, their problem is with her and yes. the fact she is trans. Would we have seen the same response from a cis influencer that was queer? I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Unfortunately, I don't think so. Yeah. In my opinion of it all, and how I see it kind of as a marketer who takes a second think on things, mm -hmm. Dylan Mulvaney is the name if you want to, quote unquote, be inclusive. Like, Nike yeah. used her in a sports bra campaign. Colgate's used her. Um, a lot of female products use her for influencing. Like, she's kind of the easy in for the audience. Um, I'm, I'm, we've talked about this before. I do genuinely think if it was like a butch lesbian instead, it might've gone different, but it mm -hmm. also wouldn't have gone along with the lines of what the initial video is, which is the carrying contest. And, oh, look, this dainty Dylan Mulvaney can hold so many cans too. So why don't you make a video? Like, yeah. I also hate that aspect. Oh God. It's like they built a campaign on a misogyny base mm -hmm. <laughs> and then tried to like, I mean, it was very progressive in some ways choosing a, a trans, you know, influencer, but like, yes. so not in other ways, like misogynistic also like she's white. She's also like really approachable for straight cis people. Like mm -hmm. she's a, like you said, she's a very easy, um, in, to yeah. that audience and, and a broader audience. She's like what I would say, quote unquote, air quotes, like palatable trans, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a f clusterfuck. Sorry for the word. I don't know why I'm upset about cursing right then, even though I do it <laughs> all our episodes. Now, what are your thoughts on how this has actually affected the community? Because it was supposed to be inclusive, but golly did it go the opposite mm -hmm. i don't know it's so hard to separate it from everything else that's going on i think yeah i mean i think there's i mean just, you can't you can't yeah like i just think at least for me i'm experiencing a lot more fear than i ever have before mm -hmm. with regard to like all of the trans things and i think it was just another glaring example of what's going on i almost it's in a way it's like we see all this legislation happening and we know that's bad but it's hard to like see really or it's not as tangible as when something like this happens mm -hmm. and then bigots basically sorry but bigots have the power that they do to change a large corporation's entire advertising um strategy for the month of pride like because that's what essentially happened is bud light yeah. was like shit here's an america video oh <laughs> my know, god like yeah let's hit that also which is the day after all this happened they released this commercial which maybe was in the works who knows but it was your classic 
Like, we are the patriotic beer. You're seeing the Budweiser horse that, like, cross middle America. And it was just like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. It's so <laughs> cringe. Like, can't. It's, like, beyond cringe, though, because it's also scary. But, like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. And I do think... With Bud Light kind of backpedaling on everything, they have only endangered the person they were kind of using to begin with. Like, they're using Dylan Mulvaney's voice and audience to be able to reach for sales. And by backpedaling and then not really, like, standing up for her in any sense of the way... It's yeah. only going to cause all of that really scary videos we're seeing of AR-15 shooting Bud Light. Like, that energy is going to go towards, I would assume, the influencer that everyone's now associating it with. Oh, my gosh. I know. And we've talked about this. We talked about it, you and I, when we talked mm-hmm. about going viral. And then we talked with Cheval about, like, creator protections. And then yeah. you're a big advocate for, like, influencer protections and being, like, really careful about how you do your influencer strategy. And it's, mm-hmm. like... For me, this Bud Light thing is negligent across the board, like negligent to Dylan, to the community, to their bottom line. Like, I can't imagine that either right wingers or gays are going to be like Bud Light anytime soon, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm so curious. Like, it's Pride Month officially now. Are we going to see Bud Light ads at all? Like, are they just going to, like, keep doing it and pretending like they didn't just, like use us and then turn around and stab us in the back like well in florida you can't get a bud light what restaurants didn't order any yeah we were sitting next to a couple from germany at dinner and the waiter was like this is our last bud light and they were like what what and they were like yeah like we didn't order anymore if you want another beer you got to get another one this is the last one and i've talked to my aunt and uncle in new jersey they can't find bud lights at restaurants either and if you do guess what you're gonna get a really inappropriate joke about it wow that is sickening Mm -hmm. in a bad way why how come i'm using all these like gay terms that are actually good i'm like gag sickening (laughs) and then i'm like no but i actually mean them In a bad way, in a not gay way. (laughs) In the hetero way. (laughs) I mean, that's so heterosexually (laughs) sickening. So closing our little segment out, do you think this ever had a chance at being successful? To me, if they had stuck to their guns, Mm -hmm. I do think it had the chance. Like they might've lost a base customer, but like, Honestly, controversy is not that bad. It's attention. And also they would have gotten some of that pink money we talk about. Like I would have been like, yeah, if they had doubled down and been like, no, we're a beer for everyone. I would have been like chugging that disgusting Mm -hmm. watery fucking gross beer this month. I really would. I would have probably gone out and purposefully got a bud for the sake of it. And so I do think it could have worked. It's what doesn't work is this playing both sides do you watch survivor the show survivor yes oh my god when people try and play everyone they get kicked off the fucking island and Bud light you're kicked off the island grab your torch so now our final closing thoughts is will bud light ever be back at pride i don't know yeah 
I think they could get away with it, don't you? My bet would be they come out with like a seltzer or something that they focus directly on our demographic of queers. But I don't know if they will be as big of a standard at pride festivals as they used to be. Whether that's because of the people throwing the event or like them not wanting to participate. So it's almost like Anheuser-Busch, we feel like, will Mm -hmm. be there, but it won't be Bud Light. That's my thought. Is they're going to try to make a new gay beer? Yeah, because I I feel like maybe people will forget. Maybe people won't know it's Um, Anheuser-Busch. Or maybe they're just waiting for everything to die down and they'll be back in 2024. I don't know. We'll have to see next year. But now let's get back to Zane and Danielle. And you were talking earlier, too. I know that um, before we started recording, we were uh, discussing the the Hollis Bullet piece that uh, that we had talked about in our brand activism episode, I think like two or three. Uh, And you were saying, too, that a lot of these brands seem to really stand on uh, this soapbox of of allyship. Yeah. Come June 1st, like we've talked about, right? Then there goes that logo, the rainbow flag logo on everything. Everything's uh, Everything is rainbow. Profile pictures get changed. And, and that in of itself, again, targeting the LGBTQ community during our Pride Month to make money is, I mean, it's a very, it's a, it's a very smart and very strategic um, play out of a playbook, you know? Sure, sure. Thinking too, because the the whole Hollis Bullet conversation that we had on that episode, I believe the impetus, if I'm recalling correctly, was a JMB whiskey ad that came out during the holidays that talked um, that the it told this story. It was like a long form television ad that told this story essentially of acceptance. Mm-hmm. Of there was some some debate that we had on our episode of whether the the grandpa in question who learned how to put on makeup was trans mm-hmm. and closeted and then sharing what grandpa had learned to grandchild uh who is out and trans but either way there was this message of trans acceptance yeah. right and that for a time like the present is really fucking important it is it's important to make mainstream and at the end of the day, you're selling what could kill them. Yep. Yeah. yeah you know, I, I kind of go back to this idea of protective factors in sociology and, and psychology. And it's the idea that, um, you know, I, as a human, have all these different things that's going to help protect me against disease, against these different components. Um, if we look at our psycho bio, biopsychosocial lives, right. Say that three times. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Yeah. As queer communities, the marginalization that we, that we face, you know, and by no means I'm making a blanket statement, but sure. many, many of us have less protective factors and make us more likely to blank. So whether that's, um, Sarah convert and acquire HIV, whether that's to um, become addicted to alcohol, whether that's to um, have you know a, a slew of health diseases, uh, of, of health conditions like high blood pressure, um, cirrhosis of the liver, and things like that, and so to have 
companies target us specifically from that marginalization, knowing maybe not directly, but it definitely plays into that fact of um, we have less protective factors and it's so more likely to misuse that substance sure. and keep perpetuating that addiction or that good time and party during pride. And again, stuff their their pockets full of those queer dollars. Sure. Gotta love those gay dollars. Those gay <laughs> dollars. Yeah. It's pretty well documented now that people who belong to marginalized groups are at all manner of physical health risk factors yeah. and, and earlier death. Yep. I thought of that because you mentioned high blood pressure, like specifically is that it's not even just, and I hesitate to use the word just, it's not even only the, the propensity for substance Mm -hmm. use and abuse. Although that is a, a huge risk factor. When you think about like, what does alcohol do? What do substances do? They take you out of your present, yeah. right? They make it easier to forget. It, just like we were saying at the beginning of this episode, they make it easier for you to step out, feel bolder, feel more confident, feel like you can pursue something that feels good. Right. And when you are in a marginalized community that has a dearth of feel goods, yeah. <laughs> like that is is obviously an important point. I think you know thinking about things like high blood pressure, or like high stress factors that are are going to hurt our bodies yeah. more over time too. I mean, knowing all of this again, this is this is well documented. This might be a really fucking dumb question, okay? And and maybe it's one that we just, we don't know the fucking answer to. Why do they do it? Why do you think they do it? Like, like I guess to be more specific, because again, maybe it's a dumb question since like, why do tobacco companies make tobacco? Like that's because they can and because they make money. Yeah. But like one thing that we haven't seen tobacco companies been able to do like cigarette manufacturers were really not able to overcome the wealth mm-hmm. of public health data mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. saying that this is bad for you. They were not able to overcome it. Yep. What fucking impenetrable armor does the liquor industry have to be able to stand on a gay soapbox and talk about allyship and we see you and we hear you and we love you and love is love and equality for everyone and all of this shit. And let's rainbow fucking plaster everything knowing the data exists that what they are peddling is killing us. I mean, that could be said for anything though, right? That could also be said for alcohol. That could be said for sugar. Um, And yet it's just, you know, I think it goes back to our legislature at the national level is just neutered. Um, And, you know, those big companies have just such a chest army armor, war chest. (laughs) I like chest army. Chest armor. The war chest to like lobby yeah. Um, to ensure that like those yeah. different laws and things aren't passed or that the FDA loses this report, right? Yeah. I mean, it there I don't think there's any question that that substances seem to to rule the country. I think it's just like I said, and maybe this is where it's a dumb question because of course it comes back to the almighty dollar, right? Yeah. Like, and and that's part of why we're here, why we're having these conversations is to call this out and to say, like, this is a problem. We talk about 
what is fucked up about this advertising? What is fucked up about this sort of like capitalist first, this profit first mindset over people specifically? And how can we change that? Uh, Do you think it just comes down to bets? I think I was literally just going to say that they're hedging their bets is what it comes down to because it's worked before. Why wouldn't it work again? That's yeah. It's, it's just wild to me to see, you know, lives at the center of that bed. Yeah. This is something that while we're having this conversation during pride, or at least this conversation is being released during pride, we know that consumption over consumption and abuse is not limited to pride. Right. It's definitely a focus uh you know and for some a goal it is a goal (laughs) getting getting really fucked up to show how proud you are um but also you know i know that we've run uh ads around programs at denver element that around the holidays specifically and and uh substance misuse and abuse which is also another pretty high misuse and abuse time in general. Um, yes, it is. But this is, you know, especially difficult for queer people who may have complicated relationships with families, right? Yep, exactly. Do you feel like, I mean, we know pride, we know the holidays. Do you feel like it's really consistent year round? Do you feel okay. like there are those sort of temple? Yeah. Yeah. I think there are those temple dates. You know, we, like you, like you alluded to pride as a huge one, um, holidays. And then, you know, I think anniversaries for people like in particular overdose anniversaries for folks is, uh, you know, I'm sure uh, a lot of people have known somebody who has overdosed. Right. And those can bring up a lot of those big feelings and uh, a lot of that trauma, that, that isolation and, and that feeling of loss. I always talk about how people don't wake up one day and be like, today is the day I'm become a heroin addict. Today is the day. I'm right. just going to do it right here and there, right? It, it slowly starts over time. And then for whatever reason, you know, at, at the end of the day, I'm a huge believer it's rooted in trauma, right? And being a marginalized identity, that is just a hotbed of trauma, right? of like microaggressions on the subway or do I feel safe holding my partner's hand walking through the store? And and those microaggressions and those traumas put little chinks in our armor, right? And then substances find their way into those, which it slowly over time could lead to becoming uh, addicted or having issues with substances. Sure. Well, I think that this is, uh, it's an important conversation for a variety of reasons, um, not the least of which is like, you know, pride when this is released. When we think about what our action items are here, because as as you know, uh, what we do on this podcast is um, we've got a lot of listeners who are in marketing and business. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of them who aren't. And we're going to have people who listen to this, who are a part of this community. And we're going to have people who listen to this and aren't. Yeah. So when you think about takeaways for these types of audiences, all, all of these types of audiences and action items for them, what comes to mind for you? You know, at Mile High, we talk about the opposite of addiction is connection. And so that takes me back to that, this idea of community. 
Um, so during pride, taking care of your friends, watching out for one another, like talking about ahead of time, like how much you want to drink, how much you want to um, party, and then having friends help support you in that. Um, you know, I think a, a, another important thing is know what you're using. In Colorado, there's a huge fentanyl sure. crisis right now. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of people who think they're using cocaine or a lot of people who are using um, cannabis from the street is actually laced with fentanyl. Um, and so I think, you know, knowing the signs of overdose is really important, particularly during Pride Months. And then if you're able and you have access to carrying um, uh, a Narcan or Coloxado um, to administer somebody who might be overdosing, right? Um, also knowing the signs and symptoms of like alcohol poisoning and like um, ODing from alcohol use, just watching out for each other, I think is uh, kind of my take, my takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. have a plan. I think, yeah, having a plan. And, you know, I know that there, it's a, a longstanding meme joke that many who drink can identify with the like, okay, I'll, I'll go out, but I'm just going to have one. And yeah. then it's like 4am and you're, you know, dancing on the bar or whatever. Yeah. But like having that plan, communicating that plan. And, you know, if you are somebody who is having a plan communicated to you, being willing to hold somebody yeah. to that plan. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that some communities, uh, that, that marginalized communities learn faster than others is that sometimes with your friends, you have to be willing to be the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. To keep each other safe. Yes. Like, absolutely. That sometimes you have to be the uncomfortable asshole that says like, hey, you said you wanted to just have three drinks tonight. We're there now. Like, or, or even how about some, how about we drink some water, water first? Yeah. Time for water. You yeah. know, like I, I try to, as a neurodivergent person who is also prone to substance overuse as a result of that, I try to communicate to the people that I'm going out with, like, I really need to drink water tonight. I It's just so that I can keep myself honest. And then I'll typically, whether it's, you know, my husband or somebody else will be like, please make sure that I drink water tonight. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, and they're not at fault if I don't, but right. it's helpful sometimes to have that prompt for some, because like, we notice when somebody is, is putting them away a little bit faster uh, than others. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like, just like making sure that I'm not too far ahead of everybody else. Like, don't get sloppy, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, have a plan, communicate that plan, be willing to to have the uncomfortable conversation to mm. maybe not enforce the plan, but reinforce the plan. Yeah. And it can be just as simple as like, hey, you know what, at the, when we started today, this is what you said. You wanted to do four or five, we're at that limit, right? Uh, and just being that that little pr just prompting that behavior and maybe they take it maybe they don't right when i started cutting back on drinking which is why we're having shirley <laughs> please sponsor us because we talk, <laughs> we talk shit about so many other brands that nobody will sponsor us yeah. at one point in time it was like do you want sponsors or are you guys just trying to make enemies or like what's happening <laughs> but you know in in my own efforts to cut back or when i quit smoking you know the the thing that the apps that i've used always come back to is what's your why yeah 
And if you've got a plan for pride, you know, what's your why? If you only want to drink four or five uh, throughout the course of the evening and your why is because there's an event tomorrow yeah. at, you know, the, the, there's a parade and whatever, I want to be able to enjoy it. Yeah. I don't want to feel like shit during that. You know, right. I want to, I want to remember this evening event, yeah. you know, carrying kind of yeah. uh, another, another great, great thing to remember and to have on you. Yep. Uh, or taking prep. Taking prep. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to tell our listeners for, just in case? Yeah, sure. So prep stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. Uh, basically it's one pill that you take every single day and it reduces the likelihood of HIV infection by like 99% which is incredible. So between PrEP and this idea in public health called TASP, treatment as prevention, if we can get people who are living with HIV to undetectable, we know they actually can't transmit the virus. So between people on PrEP and people living with HIV and getting to undetectable status, like that's, that's the idea of getting to this, like ending the HIV epidemic. Who would have thought 20 years ago that we'd be in a position like that. I mean, yeah. shit, 10 years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. you know, because yeah. I feel like I remember when, when pep, pep yep. and yep. prep uh, were kind of first on the market and people were really reticent about it yep. and nobody really knew what was going on. So to be in a position now where we could literally eradicate this entirely Yes. And that, that's a whole nother Pandora's box about how we're seeing cis white gay men are the ones who are utilizing PrEP the highest and all of our uh, communities of color and our trans communities are being left behind and don't have access to it. Sure. So uh, this is also your uh, note to share this with your friends uh, yes. about that. Talk about PrEP. You know, I, I think that one of the things too, that we've learned, um, I know that I've alluded to this, that, that, you know, we've been working with Zane with Element with Transgender Center of the Rockies for seven years now. Uh, we have put together award-winning pride ads together uh, <laughs> to talk about exactly this, this, um, this topic is prep is, you know, getting, getting the message out there. One of the things that we talk about year after year, when we we are building these pride ads, when we're, you know, thinking about messaging as a team, is that sex is an uncomfortable conversation for a lot of people. And even yeah. more uncomfortable than talking about sex is talking about potentially getting an STI. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, nobody wants to think about illness when they're thinking about the, the fun, good stuff. And nobody yeah. wants to talk about the fun, good stuff because that's like bedroom only kind of a thing. Yeah. So, you know, being, being unafraid to have these conversations, yeah. um, I think is, is a big thing. And, you know, bringing it up inside of your friend group, especially if you have friends inside of the LGBTQ community, or if you are in the community and you know about these things, and you are not sure if other people do. Don't assume that they do. Don't assume that that they have all of that information. I think the other thing for people inside of our community too during Pride is to consume mindfully. You know, yes, have a plan that is like a, a critical first step and and knowing your why, but also like something that changed for me when I think about like something like body positivity, for instance, it's a, a really big deal all over Instagram and, and things like that over the course of the last several years. It's like having this sort of body positivity. One question that keeps coming up inside of these conversations is 
who profits from your self-hatred? Yeah. And when you think about that, and you know, this relates a, a pretty heavily to like our wellness marketing episode and goop and all of that. Uh, but like who profits yeah. off of your overconsumption? Who profits off of you getting totally shithoused? You know, is is this something that's here to benefit you? Or is it something that's lining somebody else's pockets? And that doesn't mean that you can't you can't imbibe. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But think about who profits from that kind of consumption. Uh, and don't don't trust the logos just because they're the sponsors of the float or the after party or whatever it is. That that rainbow on them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that, you know, consuming mindfully um, and allies advocating, you know, for, for your, your LGBTQ identifying friends and recognizing too, that you also need to consume mindfully and think about who profits uh, when you get fucked up, when your friends get fucked up yeah. um, and think about the fact that that sometimes it, that overindulgence is uh, lining the pockets of the people who are only interested in profiting off of the bodies of your friends. Yeah. So this has been a great conversation. I mean, heavy conversation shit, but like, <laughs> I think, you know, I think an important conversation we we like pride. We we like to be able to to celebrate, you yes. know, this this quality about us that makes us who we are, um, you know, on some level. And and I think that there is a way to do it, you know, safely, and also not, you know, capitalistically. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of goes back to the idea of harm reduction, right? Of like instead of having five, have four. Maybe that's not ideal. And though we're reducing our risk in that moment, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, where you can too, I, I just thought of this that you know um, recommend activities that don't center around alcohol. Yes. Uh, and if your friend recommends an activity that doesn't center around alcohol, be open to that. You know, don't don't necessarily insist on on moving it towards that sort of alcohol focus. Uh, find different places and uh, events and things like that that don't necessarily require it or find non-alcoholic substitutes like Shirley. <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, I, I don't know about you, Danielle, but I celebrate pride for seven days. Sure. And so it's like, you know, maybe one of those days that I will plan a sober event. Yeah. And just create that space for you and your friends and your communities. Yeah. I love it. That's really excellent. It's a, a great idea and one that I might steal from you. So, <laughs> right. Absolutely. And cool. it doesn't mean we can't have mocktails and yeah. still like have fun. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you so much again for coming all the way out to Brooklyn uh, from Denver just for this podcast. <laughs> what a real sacrifice, a true hero uh, of the LGBTQ community and among others, truly. Uh, <laughs> But uh, it's been wonderful to have you. Thank you so much, Zane, for for your input and uh, just your your valuable expertise inside of this area. Uh, we are looking forward to celebrating Pride more mindfully. Mm. You listeners at home can look forward to a whole Pride month of LGBTQ-focused content. Even if you're not, we still think you should be here because uh, we're talking about some really important things, especially as it concerns marginalized identities. Uh, We are looking forward to continuing the conversation next week. 
Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in to Target Snarket, a weekly podcast brought to you by Broad Digital Consulting. Our podcast is hosted by Danielle Bilbrook, Kaylee Myers, and Alan Connolly, and produced by Margot Gill. You can always learn more about Broad Digital Consulting on our website, broad.digital, that's B-R-O-A-D dot digital, or you can find us on social media using the handle at Target Snarket. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And if you're feeling so inclined, we'd love for you to review our pod if you like what you're hearing. 